WFYI podcast brought to you by Bloomington, Indiana, an American college town offering food and drink, college sports, outdoor activities, live music, cool art, and good times daily. Everyone is welcome in Bloomington. More information at visitbloomington.com. What do you feel like doing tonight? I don't know, Ange. What do you feel like doing? Oh, what do you feel like doing tonight? I don't know, Ange. What do you feel like doing? We're back to that, huh? I say to you, what do you feel like doing tonight? And you say back to me, I don't know what you feel like doing tonight. Then we wind up sitting around your house with a couple of cans of beer watching a hit parade on television. Let's go to movies. Director! This is a frightened city. Wait for it! Director! Cut! It's time to hear what's good, what's bad, and what's ugly at the cinemas and on DVD. Get ready for a new film talk show, Film Sociology, with WFYI's film guru. Kaiser Shizzy! No, that's Matthew Sosi. It's such a fine line between stupid and, and clever, yes. Let's find out how thin the line is. Here's your host, Matthew Sosi. Film lovers, and welcome to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD2 The Point and WFYI.org. If you have a question or a comment, you can email me at msocey, that's M S O C E Y, at WFYI.org. I'm also on Facebook. That's Cynthia Lane you're hearing in the background, working the board. Thank goodness, Ms. Melissa Davis, a woman I should I should just never question because I know what she she knows oh. what she's doing. Hello, 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 my favorite Ball State women's studies friend. <laughs> and uh, and uh, sitting in with us today is uh, Matt Altizer, Matthew Altizer, the director of operations for Owl Studios, and he has a busy busy week. Well, it started last night, and it's going to get even busier starting tomorrow with Indie Jazz Fest presented by Marsh. How are you, Matthew? I'm doing great, and it's the good type of busy. It is a good busy. It is good busy. Uh, Joshua Redmond's going to be in town tomorrow night, and then, of course, we have upcoming shows with the likes of Mark Buscelli, Claudia Acuna, Astro Project, Charlie Hunter, a big tribute to Freddie Hubbard, and, of course, all of the people that will be at the lawn at White River State Park on Saturday the 26th and Sunday the 27th. So it's going to be a busy, good time. Definitely, definitely. So big party. You, yes. If you have time and you really should, stick a crowbar in your wallet and go to Jazz Fest and go to the after parties at many venues across the city. We'll, we'll get to that. I'll talk about that a little more in just a moment. Um, just a couple notes. On Wednesday, there's a, there's a number of theaters in town. I think if you go to Regal Entertainment uh, website and get information. But there are a few theaters like Galaxy 14, Showplace 16. I believe AMC Castleton is doing this as well. They're going to be showing The Wizard of Oz for the 70th anniversary. Yeah, 70th anniversary. So an opportunity to see a great film on the big screen in good print. So definitely go check that out. You'll probably see uh, the kids' correspondent and myself there on Wednesday. But opening today is the new film from Steven Soderbergh called The Informant, based on a true story, so there. That's actually what it sort of says at the beginning of the film. It stars Matt Damon as uh, Mark Whitaker, a, uh, a high-level VP for a development company who finds out about price-fixing in his company, and he turns into an FBI informant. 
Uh, the problem is he's seen too many James Bond movies and read too many John Grisham novels. The man wants to be in the firm, and uh, he has a problem of, uh, well, keeping his mouth shut. So let's, uh, let's hear a sample. What I'm about to tell you, it involves something very large. Everyone in this country is a victim of corporate crime by the time they finish breakfast. Yes. Things are going on I don't approve of. I mean, I feel real bad about that. <laughs> Corn goes in one end and profit comes out the other. Weird, right? It's not just lysine. It's citric. It's gluconate. There was a guy who left the company because he wouldn't do it. He was forced out. The gluconate guy, he's out of a job. Would you be willing to wear a wire? We need your help. 7.30 a.m., I am approaching the entrance to the office. Good morning, Liz Taylor, secretary. You don't really need to narrate the tapes for right. us when you're Absolutely. making them. Not a problem. Once it starts, it is going to be intense. Uh, what is he doing? I told him the camera was in a lamp. No. No. Oh, this guy's Whitaker. The guy's making 350 grand a year, and he turns informer. When does that happen? <laughs> Mark Whitaker, secret agent 0014. Why 0014? Because I'm twice as smart as 007. Oh, no. They will make me the next president of ABS. How can you possibly stay there when you've just taken down the company? Because they need me to run the company. That's completely illogical. Mark showed you that four white guys in suits getting together in the middle of the day. That's not a business meeting. It's a crime scene. There's something you're not telling us. Why would I hide anything from you guys? We're going to find out what's going on, Mark. FBI. What the heck is going on here? Mr. Whitaker, would you please come with me? Oh, yeah, I was good, right? Didn't I seem really scared? It was... I actually felt scared. I want you to keep this secret. Absolutely. Don't tell us anything. It's very important to you, case you not discuss this with anyone else. I'm a person of interest in an ongoing investigation. Oh, my God. You guys still think I'm going to be okay at the company, right? I mean, you guys are going to take down the bad guys, but I'll be okay, right? <clears throat> this thing well, I think the corporate culture is going to change a little bit for I you. Stay Listen, I haven't been telling you guys the whole truth, but I'm going to clear that up in there today. What? All right, th this was a story. It was based on a book and a true story that happened in the mid-90s. And uh, so it's interesting that this film is coming out now, especially in lieu of everything that's been happening in the last year or so. I, I think the best way to describe this film from director Steven Soderbergh is, is basically a Grisham novel, except that the central character is a total idiot, and, and, and that's the Damon character. Um, you heard where he's he's can't keep his mouth shut, and he's telling everybody from his wife to his secretary to the press, and uh, this is a man that really thinks he just wants to get rid of the bad guys so he can take over the company. <laughs> Thank you. Business majors are still scratching their head on this one. Um, really funny stuff. And, and it's interesting with Soderbergh. I was looking back through his his uh, career. Of course, they, they keep pushing this. is from the director of Ocean's 11, 12, and 13. And, I mean, the guy's a, a businessman. He, you know, he's made deals where if he makes something like Ocean's 11, then he can make something like Full Frontal or Solaris. And if he makes Ocean's 12, then he can make something like Bubble and The Good German. And if he can make Ocean's 13, he can make Che, whew, all four hours of it, and uh, The Girlfriend Experience. And, and this film, and uh, it's it's a very dry film as far as humor. It's I think it's really funny on Damon's part. He's he's obviously the best thing about it. He's got a series of internal monologues, which are just completely random. Which apparently I guess you do when you're in situations like work or play or life. Um, so yeah, really really enjoyed it. Um, I was I was not that crazy about well I was not crazy about the second half of Chase. So. I think this is an upswing for, for Soderbergh. I'm, I, I'm not sure how the public's going to take this, because um, he's also got a lot of secrets that he uh, eventually will let out. And there's a number of comics in this. There's a certain morning show in this town in which I think they've had every comic that was in this film, from John Zaney, uh, you know, John Zaney and Patton Oswalt has a small role. The younger brother from Arrested Development is in this as well. Um, so And Scott Bakula. Nice to see Bakula back again. This is actually one of his better roles but again, can you think of a more recent role, Scott Bakula? I don't think so. See, there you go. Yeah. So anyway, if you're into dry political humor, the the opening sequence is a lot of fun. It's it's uh, 
it's a throwback to the paranoid thrillers of the 70s. It's uh, the the score is done by Marvin Hamlish, and there's a uh, lots of close-ups of a tape recorder, so it has that Three Days of the Condor parallax view feel. So very fun stuff. So overall, this is this is how I felt about Steven Soderbergh's film, The Informant. Uh, Mr. Soderbergh. Uh, uh... <laughs> Today's scene, I think it'd be a good opportunity for me to take my shirt off. <laughs> no, that's that's not where I start. That's Matt Damon impersonating Matthew McConaughey, and that has nothing to do with this film. Let's try. This is what I really think of of the informant. Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Matt Damon. That's from Team America, silly producer person. This is what I think of the informant. Yes, 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 yes. I told her to do that. It was a good movie. It was it Team America? No, this this the informer. Yes. Good movie or yes, yes, yes. Excellent film. Okay, Excellent film. good, well. good. We did the right one. We did do the right one. Well, when, you, when we did the other, I think we did the entire Matt Damon medley for for the show, so we're spent. Okay. Also opening in theaters is the romantic comedy, I guess, uh, called Love Happens with Aaron Eckhart and Jennifer Aniston. Eckhart plays a self-help guru, not quite as irritating as Dr. Phil, but close. And uh, he runs across Jennifer Aniston, who runs a florist, and don't you wish all florist owners look like Jennifer Aniston? Ha, ha, ha. Um, here, here's a big shocker. The self-help guru who has troubles of his own, because I think there have been enough films with lawyers and psychiatrists having troubles of their own. Give this a listen. I'm feeling okay. How are you? This is your moment. TV, radio, publishing. Like Lear Jets? You know that's not why I wrote it. You do know that you're helping people. So tell me, what motivated the book? Uh, my wife died three years ago. Never intended for anyone to actually read it. The only thing separating you and me is in your head. Would you like to have a cup of coffee? I've never been on a date with someone who has a cardboard cutout of themselves. Oh, it's really good for the carpool lane. <laughs> How long have you been at this? Oh, I finally got up the guts a couple of years ago to open my own shop. May I just point out, now you're dating some guy who's not even going to be in town for 72 hours. I like him. You ask me what I want Still trying to wrap my head around what your thing is. It's a long story. Yeah, but isn't that your whole thing, talking about it? Thank you for the drink. Yeah. Thanks. You tend to fall for these guys with expiration dates right on your forehead. Am I being too harsh? Yes. Yeah. When are you going to stop lying, son? You have to give yourself permission to start living your life again. You're right. I didn't go to her funeral. So everything in your book? I couldn't do any of it at all. Can I say something with the acknowledgement that my life is an experiment in really bad decisions? You really messed up. Will you do that for me? Yes, you would. Sorry. Where are we going? I'm not knowing, isn't it? Okay. Um... No, it's not Sleepless in Seattle. It just happens to be in the same city. Um, I don't know if you've seen the trailers for this. I, I, I personally have issues with really loud, blowhole, self-help people. You know who I'm talking about, Oprah. Um, that being said, it's it's not a psychotic romantic comedy. I was worried it was going to be one of those, like like How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days and Little Black Book. And yeah, I, I just I just made my producer's skin crawl at those said titles. Me too, my lady. 
But uh, this is one where, yeah, this is the the man with all the answers who has troubles of his own. Um, Basically, we find out his wife was killed in a car wreck, and he hasn't really dealt with it, and it just starts to unravel as the film goes on. Martin Sheen shows up as uh, the father-in-law in uh, in this particular picture. A couple things. that This is one of those films that little technical things started getting in the way. For instance, there's a famous scene in the film that's used in the trailer where he that people walk over hot coals inside a hotel suite. Now, unless you have a ventilation system like Weber Grill, I don't see that happening. I've actually done the hot coal thing. That was outside. So I don't know where what hotel is going to let you have burning hot coals in the middle of one of their showcase rooms. Call me crazy. The Sybaris. No, the Sorry. I, you know what? You you spoke up pretty quick on that. I mean, do we have to bring up Cyprus stuff? I'll bring I up. couldn't resist. I know. I'll bring up Saw later. <laughs> anyway, um, sorry, long story. But uh, not with us, but a long story anyway. Uh, so it's one of those. And then there's also timelines. Uh, there's there's a, the, the token chubby best friend, not played by me, um, is getting deals with uh, the Eckhart character to get a TV show and products. And, you know, I guess you have business meetings at 7 o'clock at night, 8 o'clock at night, but it just seems like the timelines are really wonky, um, especially when this is taking a week. And also the Damon character, or the Eckhart character, I should say, um, is trying to help a guy who's not really accepting all of this treatment, and he stays on the hot coals a lot longer than you really should, burning his feet. But then, you know, it's two scenes later, Eckhart is running around Seattle with Jennifer Aniston. I'm sorry, but if your feet are burnt to a particular crisp. So it's little things like that that get in the way. By the way, John Carroll Lynch is in this. That's uh, one of my favorite that guys. He was Norm from Fargo and the barber from Gran Torino. He's the uh, the skeptical person attending this uh, self-help seminar because of the death of his son. He's good. Not a whole not a whole lot to work with in that case. So, and Anderson, I think... My colleagues and I were talking about this film earlier this week. You could have put any actress in this role, any, because she's got a boyfriend who cheats on her, and she keeps tipping to the well and keeps winding up uh, throwing craps and tries to help this guy out. Um, I don't know who's going to like this. Probably nobody in this room, and probably a lot of people that aren't going to listen to the show. Call me crazy, but and which also means it's probably going to do really well. Um, I I just I don't get it. I don't get it, but at least they weren't, uh, you know, lying and playing little mental tricks on each other. So, yay, it's not how to lose a guy in ten days, but but still, not really good. For, this is what I think. Turn it off. Turn it off. Turn it off. Yes, thank you, um, Aaron. You know, he needs to. He, too bad he can't do Harvey Two Face again. And I can't believe I'm asking this because. Between that and after Thank You for Smoking, I thought you really have to retire the smug, um, rhymes with Rick type characters, because I thought he hit an apex with that, and, and of course, his first big breakthrough in the Company of Men. Um, so, yeah, I don't know what he's going to do next. We will see. We're going to just jump in the DVD, because we have a lot of tributes, and we have Matthew here, because we have to talk about Jazz Fest. But, but new on DVD this week, and you know what, I don't think, I think we're going to nix the trailer on this one. It's Wolverine, so it's going to be loud, and... And you're going to hear, like, blades coming out of Hugh Jackman's wrist. And, and no, it's fine. Um, yeah, that's out on DVD, finally. The first big letdown of the summer blockbuster season. And you get to find out how Wolverine got that way. By the way, this is a film where Hugh Jackman does not sing and dance. Just saying. Um, and the problem is he's he's got a war with his brother, played, played by Liev Schreiber. And you find out how he becomes a part of this uh, mutant before he winds up with X-Men. And the problem is it has the exact same plot as a Bronson film from the 80s. It's, you know, he's living in tranquility. He's got a beautiful wife. And then this mysterious shadowy figure, this time played by Danny Houston, brings him back into the fold. And, yeah, it's it's basically a 1980s action script with a little more special effects. Actually, a lot more special effects, I should say. And uh, if, I'm sorry, but if you're going to have a fight scene with Hugh Jackman and Leah Schreiber, show it to me. Don't be like the first Transformers. I want to see these guys tear each other apart. Not extreme close-ups of a wrist and a head and hitting the table and, you know, ADD-induced cutting. I know, I sound like a crabby old man when I talk about ADD-induced editing. But, you know, epileptics can't watch this film because they'll have a fit. And that's not good. So, and and the, I, I really like Hugh Jackman. And I, I hope people go see something of his because I know Australia didn't do that well. And, and even though this one did okay... Um, 
Hopefully he'll do something of some merit really soon. So overall, I guess if you didn't want to see it in theaters, you can rent it, but save your money. This is this is Wolverine. No! No, 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 indeed. All right, we're going to take a short break, and then we hit the funeral Friday portion of film sociology. You can email me at msocey, that's M-S-O-C-E-Y at WFYI.org if you have a question or a comment. You're listening to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD to the Point and WFYI.org. Nap Town is nowhere near as sleepy as it sounds. I say fooey to those who say there's nothing to do in Indianapolis. And we bring it to you on the IndianapolisMusic.net podcast every week. It's a feature of our top ten shows, as voted on by music journalists across the city, and our on-track artist featuring a local recording each and every week right here on the IndianapolisMusic.net podcast and WFYI HD2 Thursdays at 4 p.m. No, this is not bass talk. I think we're going to get in trouble with another station because, no, this is actually Garage Mahal, and uh, they're going to be playing Tuesday night at the Vogue as part of Jam Band Night with the Twin Cats and Charlie Hunter. And, uh, yeah, Garage Mahal, of course, you can hear on Owl Studios. Uh, Matthew Altizer is sitting in with us. Thank you for providing the music for us today. Oh, it's no problem at all. Uh, This is going to be a fun night. I, I can't remember the last time Charlie Hunter was in town. Was he play, did he play at the kitchen? Uh, it might have been last year or something. I think okay. He played. So this is with his duo. So oh, really? Him and drums. Yeah. It's Ooh. Gonna be pretty pretty impressive. Wow. That's yeah. So that's that's gonna be a fun night. That is Tuesday night. So you, you get your uh, get your running shoes on because at the Vogue that night is a uh, Twin Cats, Garage Mahal, and Charlie Hunter, and then also that night at the kitchen is the uh, Mark Buscelli CD release concert featuring the Buscelli Weller Ave Jazz Orchestra and. Mark's new album, uh, An Old Soul, which uh, you can read about online and uh, go to nuvo.net and, and pick up the print issue as well. So uh, lots of good times. You're going you're gonna to be at both. You're, mm-hmm. be, you're a busy man. I'll be there for both of them. <laughs> cool. Somehow it'll happen. It will happen. Well, this is Film Sociology. I'm your host, Matthew Sosi. And, uh, well, it, I thought I only did funeral stuff material, death notices on, on the blues show. But, uh, no, we had a, we had a, a big sp- spread of... Uh, various deaths uh, in the last week or so, and, and under peer pressure, uh, I decided to open things up in the segment with the, with the Swayze. Um, yes, I know. Under peer pressure. Yeah, I was, because I knew if I started with Larry Gelbart, who died first, I would, I would get considerable oh, grief from my, my wonderful producer. That would be you, Melissa. <laughs> so, okay. You know what? This, and it's funny because there's, there are obviously girl films with Swayze and there are guy films with Swayze. And, of course, I, I pulled a clip from the, one of the guy movies, City of Hope. No. Or Next of Kin. If, if it was a visual show, I would have the scene where he's chasing Helen Hunt while playing a fiddle at the same time. But we don't have that clip. Um, yes, yes, I know. He did Dirty Dancing and he did Ghost. But he also did Point Break, which... By the way, you need a 12-pack to watch that. And and then while you're at it, watch Roadhouse because um, they're both 100% adrenaline. Uh, let's let's play the clip. This is this is the I, and I'm surprised theater students haven't used this yet for an audition. But here's the Swayze. Anybody else here dealing? I'm telling you straight. To my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. All right. People who really want to have a good time won't come to a slaughterhouse. And we've got entirely too many troublemakers here. Too many uh, 40-year-old adolescents, felons, power drinkers, and trustees of modern chemistry. It's going to change. 
And that sure sounds good. But a lot of the guys who come in here, we can't handle one-on-one. -on -one. Even two-on-one. Don't worry about it. All you have to do is follow three simple rules. One, never underestimate your opponent. Expect the unexpected. Two, take it outside. Never start anything inside the bar unless it's absolutely necessary. And three, be nice. Come on. If somebody gets in your face and calls you a guy, I want you to be nice. Okay. Ask him to walk. Be nice. If you won't walk, walk him. But be nice. If you can't walk him, one of the others will help you, and you'll both be nice. I want you to remember that it's a job. It's nothing personal. Uh-huh. And caught a current personal? No. It's two nouns combined to elicit a prescribed response. I wonder if somebody calls my mama a whore. <laughs> Is she? <laughs> I want you to be nice until it's time to not be nice. Well, uh, how are we supposed to know when that is? You won't. I'll let you know. You are the bouncers. I am the cooler. All you have to do is watch my back and each other's. Take out the trash. A one, two, three. Thank you, Patrick. Words to live by. <laughs> Later, we'll be feathering our hair and doing Tai Chi outside shirtless. And remember, pain don't hurt. <laughs> well, come on. Nobody puts Dalton in a corner either. He'll kick you in the face. <laughs> you know, there were, there were a couple of we were talking earlier. Um, I was skeptical about Swayze as, as as an actor because, yeah, obviously the whole dancing thing and then, and then Ghost. And I, I didn't see Roadhouse when it first opened, but I remember when he hosted Saturday Night Live. And I think a lot of people obviously remember the the Chippendale sketch, which introduced the world to Chris Farley. Say mm -hmm. that for say that for what it's worth. Uh, but that was all. We'll talk about uh -huh. him later, much later, uh -huh. <laughs> much later. The let's, snark, the snark, the snark. Let's, <laughs> hey, come on, let's talk about Patrick. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, he's very funny in that. But there was also Dirty Square Dancing, and there was what I always remember is the they did a send off of Ghost. And uh, Victoria Jackson is is in his bad black wig as Demi Moore, and he of course shows up and he's trying to warn her. And and Victoria Jackson's just sitting around the house, picking her nose, scratching her butt, and he's completely grossed out. Like God, you did that when when I was alive. When they were, I'm not going to help you. And that was it. So <laughs> I, I have to give it to him for poking fun at himself for that. And then of course props for for appearing in Drag and to Wong Fu. Thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. You know, a, a better film. I think if uh, the Adventures of Priscilla, the Queen of the Desert, hadn't been made, but but props to him for that, and you know uh, John Leguizamo, of course, and Wesley Snipes, even though he didn't get taxed for working on Wong Fu. So anyway, Patrick, thank you for all the work, and and you know you're always going to be a part of Soft Rock Radio, whether you like it or not. All right, let's move on to don't I know the snark? That's me. Um, Can't count out Ghost. I, no, I'm not That's counting out Ghost. Movie. It's Oscar. Best best picture material. Mm -hmm. It's not one of the top five best pictures. Well, no, not in the world of history, you know. No, but I but mean, that, that's a very emotional film. It I is, think, and I think he really captures the beauty of. I don't know. Actually, do you know who the director originally wanted for that? Who? Kevin Klein. Oh. So which meant which meant Swayze real? I mean, he had to fight to get that role. I like, so I say bully for him. I like the I like Patrick Swayze because I'm thinking of Kevin McLean would have taken a really soft, emotional, sweet touch mm -hmm. to that, you know. And Patrick Swayze made it a little more masculine, like he was fighting with that like sensitivity. Sure. I, I liked it. I thought it was beautiful. Movie. Did you ever see Skate Town USA? I did not. I did. <laughs> wow. I'm snarky, but I saw that film and you didn't. I didn't see. Okay, that. we need to find you DVD copies of Skate Town USA. And Roller Boogie. All right. Okay? So that's, or unless you have it, uh, 1630 North Meridian Street. <laughs> Bring them Please by. Please send it our way. You know, the intern never brought in the room for me. I'm kind of miffed about that. Do we still have his contact info? Yeah, well, we can find him. Let's find him. <laughs> we can track him down. All right, we'll do that. Okay, also passing this week was uh, lighter, lighter, writer uh, Larry Gelhart, who's best known, obviously, for creating MASH. He also did the book for A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum. But he also wrote one of the funniest films of all time. Not not number two on the AFI list. I know right behind uh, 
Some like it hot, but still funny nonetheless. Uh, here's a scene from Tootsie. Michael, would you wait outside, please? I'm talking to the coast. This is a coast, too, George. New York is a coast, too. Oh, boy. Cy, are you... Cy? Look what you... Margaret? Margaret? Get him back, will you? I cut myself off. Now, what is it, Michael? Terry Bishop is doing Iceman Cometh, right? Didn't you promise to send me up for that part? Am I wrong? Didn't you tell me I was gonna I was gonna get a reading for that Michael. part? Aren't you my agent, Sue? Stuart Pressman wants a name, Michael. Oh, I see. Terry Bishop is a name. No, no, no. Michael Dorsey is a name. When you want to send a stake back, Michael Dorsey is a name. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. You always do this to me. I've got a thing to say, and I know it. Let me start all over again. Terry Bishop is on a soap opera. Millions of people watch him every day. He's known. And that qualifies him to ruin Iceman Cometh? I'm not gonna you know, I can act circles around that guy. I already played that part Stuart in Minneapolis. Stuart wants a name that's his affair, okay? I know this is going to disgust you, Michael, but a lot of people are in this business to make money. Oh, don't make me like I'm some flake, George. I am in this business to make money, too. Really? Yes. The Arnold Theater for the Blind, Strindberg in the Park, the People's Workshop at Syracuse. Okay, now, wait a minute. I did nine plays in eight months up at Syracuse. I happened to get great reviews from the New York critics. Not that that's why I did it. Well, of course not. God forbid you should lose your standing as a cult failure. You think I'm a failure, George? Is that what you're saying to me? I will not get sucked into this conversation, Michael. Okay. I will not. Okay, look, I sent you a play to read that my roommate will. It had a great part in it for me. Did you read it? Where the hell do you come off sending me your roommate's play for you to star in? I'm your agent, not your mother. I'm not supposed to find plays for you to star in. I'm supposed to field offers, and that's what I do. Field offers? Who told you that? The agent fairy? That was a significant piece of work. I could be terrific in that play. Michael, nobody's going to do that play. Why? Because it's a downer, that's why. Because nobody wants to produce a play about a couple that moved back to Love Canal. But that actually happened. Who gives it? Nobody wants to pay $20 to watch people living next to chemical waste. They can see that in New Jersey. Look, I don't want to argue about it, okay? I'm going to raise the $8,000 myself so I can produce his play, and I want you to send me up for anything. I don't care what it is. I will do dog commercials on television. I will do radio voiceovers. Michael, I can't put you up for any of that. Why not? Because no one... We'll hire you. Oh, that's not true, man. I bust my ass to get a part right, and you know I do. Yes, and you bust everybody else's ass, too. That's what you do. A guy's got four weeks to put on a play. You think he wants to sit and argue about whether or not Tolstoy can, can walk when he's dying or walk when he's talking or sing oh, when please, he's walking? Two years ago, and that guy is an idiot. They can't he... all be idiots, Michael. You argue with everybody. You've got one of the worst reputations in this town, Michael. Nobody will hire you. Are you saying that nobody in New York will work with me? Oh, no, that's too limiting. Nobody in Hollywood wants to work with you either. I can't even send you up for a commercial. You play the tomato for 30 seconds, they want a half a day over schedule because you wouldn't sit down. Yes, it wasn't logical. You were a tomato! A tomato doesn't have logic! A tomato can't move! That's what I said! So if he can't move, how's he gonna sit down, George? I was a stand-up tomato! A juicy, sexy, beefsteak tomato! Nobody does vegetables like me! I did an evening of vegetables off Broadway! I did the best tomato! The best what? cucumber! I, I did an on-deep salad that knocked the critics on their ass! Michael, I, I'm trying to stay calm here. You uh, are a wonderful actor. Thank you. But you're too much trouble. Get some therapy. Okay, thanks. I'm going to raise $8,000, and I'm going to do just play. Michael, you're not going to raise 25 cents. No one will hire you. Oh, yeah? Ah, uh, thank you much, Larry. We were, we were talking off off camera, off air. I was reminded. I was 12 years old when that film came out, and I got to see it in theaters, the first run. So did Melissa. So did I. When you were three. When I was three. Gosh. <laughs> and I might have been, I might have been two. No, I was three. <laughs> yeah, I remember my grandma thought it would be a children's movie because it said Tootsie. She wasn't so up on pop culture. It wasn't, it wasn't about candy. It, well, she, that's what she was like, oh, kids, let's, what are we going to go see? And not looking at the ratings, you know. And so we went to go see Tootsie. And I remember running up and down the aisles and just being like, Bleh, I'm bored. And, you know, it wasn't fun. But when, now I like it. Well, when did you, I say, when did you rediscover it? Yeah, in my teen years. I think okay. probably like 14 or 15 it was on HBO or something. I was thinking as. I was laughing to myself as that clip was playing. I, I don't want to ruin this for anyone. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's not, okay. No, but I, I love it when he's taking off the eyelashes and the final scene. You know, it's not yes. the final scene, but when he takes the violin. Take, I mean, I just think that that's so He's such a great actor. Yes, he is. And then, great dialogue. And loosely, and, and you know, a couple of things. This this started the acting career for, for Sidney Pollack, so we say thank you for that. Well, Sidney, of course, directed the film. Um, and I think... This might have been the first, if not one of the first, with the uncredited cameo. Because remember, Bill Murray's not credited in the film. Oh, really? No, mm -hmm. he wasn't. Because I think at that time, um, and, there's, and there were other people like um, Jack Nicholson in Broadcast News, Sean Connery in Robin Hood, where 
they didn't want to give something away. And I think even in Murray's case, people, I think he didn't want people to think this was a Bill Murray film because it was a small role. I mean, he's got three or four really knockout scenes, and that's it. So, you know, there have been too many times where somebody's had one scene and they got top billing. I recently watched Future World. I don't know if you remember that with uh, Peter Fonda, Blythe Danner, and Yul Brenner. Oh, this, yeah. was, this was a sequel to Westworld. He has one freaking scene in that, and he got a, he got a and credit with a box around it. I, mean, I know it was in his contract. So anyway, but but Larry Gebhardt, thank you so much for your work. And also, and this was a big one in in my household, Henry Gibson, because of Laugh-In. He was everybody's favorite Illinois Nazi in the Blues Brothers. He was the voice of Wilbur in the original Charlotte's Web, which was he did a great job with that. He was kind of one of the regular Robert Altman players, if you remember Nashville and The Long Goodbye. His last significant film, um, he was the the object of William H. Macy's affection in Magnolia in the bar scene. But I so it was hard to figure out which what I was going to use as far as a tribute. I almost got Charlotte's Web, but I instead found this from Kentucky Fried Movie. In the past year, over 800,000 Americans have died. Despite millions of dollars of research, death continues to be our nation's number one killer. Hello, I'm Henry Gibson, speaking to you on behalf of the United Appeal for the Dead. Although so far there is no known treatment for death's crippling effects, still everyone can acquaint himself with the three early warning signs of death. One, rigor mortis. Two, a rotting smell. Three, occasional drowsiness. It is also important to know what to do when you die. One, do not attempt to drive a car. Two, do not operate heavy machinery. Third, do not talk. Your past contributions to this cause have already worked wonders. Many deserving families have been helped. This is Henry Gibson saying, please give generously when death knocks at your door. Thank you, Henry. Matthew, you're correct. When was the last time you saw a Kentucky Fried movie? It's I can't even remember. It's been a long time. Oh man, great stuff. Now, uh, for for those young viewers and my producer, Kentucky Fried movie was the, one of the first films, if not the first film directed by John Landis. This was hmm. 1977, I think. Yeah, and this was before. It's a, it's an R-rated sketch film, basically. Oh, cool. Um, you have. Uh, Things like Cleopatra Schwartz, you have uh, the send-off on That's Armageddon, and there's a, it's just a number of just bizarre clips, one of which like that. There's Bill Bixby doing a, a headache commercial uh, for uh, an aspirin, and there's a big 20-minute short film called A Fistful of Yen, and it's it's just funny, funny stuff. I just gave uh, Richard Miles, our boss, a, the copy of it on DVD because he hadn't watched it in a long, long time. So I think we'll add that to your, Send it to me. Yes, your Netflix account. <laughs> so. And this is for entertainment purposes only, folks. I'm not a Netflix provider. Just don't this follow me. This is the very interesting guy. Uh, well, that was Artie Johnson. Artie Johnson. Oh, yeah, no. laughing. Okay. Whoops. Well, we, you mentioned grandparents. When I was uh, when I was a kid, and I, my folks would ship me out to Jersey for the summer, mm-hmm. um, and I'd, I'd spend time with my grandmother, they had reruns of Laugh-In on every night. I I saw about a month's worth of Laugh-Ins when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And, and not just watching... Goldie Hawn painted and dancing, but just, yeah, there was uh, Artie Johnson and Ruth Buzzy and Alan Seuss and all these guys, and Henry was a part of it, so everybody hold their flower That's and take a bow. Guy. Yeah, a poem okay. by Henry yeah, Gibson. Yeah. No, I remember Nick and Knight in the 80s, they would air that almost every day, and that's how I think a lot of people in my generation got accustomed to flaffin' and sort of the first sketch comedy thing. Oh, know, absolutely. That was fast and amazing. fun. Fun so stuff. Much. And if you watch it back now, so political. You know, like, oh, it's huge. so interesting. About, I don't know. It's and they, really cool. And they didn't, get as, they didn't get in trouble as much as, say, the Smothers Brothers, which is the famous. Uh, I mean, they got uh, loads of trouble with, with the networks and sponsors over their stuff. But, yeah, they, they, just, they did it with a big laugh. I they did. That's why Huge, Maybe, you know. And remember, this was a show that had Nick. They didn't mind having Nixon and John Wayne on. <laughs> uh, that's that's kind of a big deal with these ascot wearing hippies. So right. especially, can you imagine that back then? Nixon, I don't know. It's just that was a huge deal. I, yeah. I mean, that was. I mean, that's you know, you people talk about Obama and Gore and I th- did Bush? No, Bush didn't. But but uh, John Kerry and and. Uh, <laughs> John McCain. I was like, who's the loser last year? But, you know, the politicians are now doing the talk show circuit. But I think Richard Nixon doing five seconds on laughing, that was a huge deal. Huge deal. So, Henry, we miss you. And I know I'm going to be watching Charlotte's Web at home 
and I like the original, and I like the remake. Each have their own strengths and weaknesses, and I think we'll break that down on a future film sociology, because we can. And finally, uh, Mary Travers, known as the Mary from Peter, Paul, and Mary died. And, and I, I almost brought some music in. However, I did remember this clip from Meet the Parents. You like Peter, Paul, and Mary? Yes, I do. I'm a big fan. It's a great song. Yeah, one of my favorites. Who would have thought it wasn't really about a dragon, huh? <laughs> what do you mean? You know the whole drug thing? No, I don't know. Why don't you tell me? Some people uh, think that to pop the magic dragon means they're really to, um, to smoke a, smoke a marijuana cigarette. Puff's well, just the name of the boy's magical dragon. Right. Are you a pothead, Farker? No, no. What? No, 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 Jack. No, I'm, I'm not. I, I pass on grass all the time. I mean, not all the time. Yes or no, grass? No. Yes. No. Thank you, Mary and Peter and Paul. If not for that, we wouldn't have that conversation. I don't, Emma doesn't know that song yet. And that's that's really okay. I'm not ready for that just yet. Anyway. What? what does it mean? Yeah, I know. And Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Can we, can, we let, can we put that to rest? What other ridiculous stuff? Knights and Satan's service. No, kiss means kiss. And if you ask Gene Simmons, he'll tell you what it really means. And <laughs> ACDC is a euphemism for electronics, nothing else. And stop Play that one Ozzy song backwards. No, don't play Ozzy backwards and don't play Judas Priest backwards because you will lose in court. Are we done with all the rock myths? Okay. Let's move on. All right, we're going to take a short break, and we're going to chat with Matthew Altizer of Owl Studios. You're listening to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD2 The Point and WFYI.org. That town is nowhere near as sleepy as it sounds. I say fooey to those who say there's nothing to do in Indianapolis, and we bring it to you on the IndianapolisMusic.net podcast every week. It's a feature of our top ten shows, as voted on by music journalists across the city, and our on-track artist featuring a local recording each and every week right here on the IndianapolisMusic.net podcast and WFYI HD2 Thursdays at 4 p.m. We got guests. You got what? Guests. 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 Yeah, guests. People. We've got guests coming over. When? Now. You're hearing... Sorry. You're hearing Derek Gardner and the Jazz Prophets. They're going to be performing Saturday night... For Saturday afternoon, Matthew. Saturday afternoon. Afternoon, sorry. At the lawn at White River State Park. Well, you should be there all day, really. On the Michelob Jazz stage as part of Indie Jazz Fest presented by Marsh and uh, Derek uh, Gardner and the Jazz Prophets. The album is called... Gosh, ride to the other side. That's why you're here. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD to the Point and WFYI.org. If you have a question or a comment, or if you're Derek Gardner and you're going to ream me out for not knowing your album title, you can email me at msoci at WFYI.org. I do have to say one programming note. Next week, I'm very excited, Film Sociology's first guest that's also won an Academy Award. I'll be having a chat with actor F. Murray Abraham, who is going to be in town. That's going to be a busy weekend. He's going to be in town next Friday and Saturday, the 25th and 26th. He's going to be a part of the ISO's uh, opening performance for the season. He'll be doing a Copeland's piece on Lincoln's portrait, and it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, you're going to hear me chat with uh, with Murray. He's He let me call him Murray. It's kind of cool. <laughs> and uh, that'll be on next week's show. And I think if things go right... This show will now be available for podcasting. I'll send out a notice on Facebook, and I'm sure Melissa will as well. 
will as well. Yeah. So anyway, we are we are moving ahead on this this lovely program. Now, Matthew Altizer, the director of operations from Owl Studios, has been sitting in with us. You doing all right? I'm doing great. A lot of lot of movie stuff thrown at you. So. Oh yeah, yeah. It shows that I need to go see some more movies. Well, soon. you've been busy. <laughs> I mean, you got this festival thing happening next week. Starting actually, starting the official event starts uh, tomorrow evening at Clues Memorial Hall. Um, I know it's uh, it's uh, Al Hill. And David Ali and Rob Dixon, I know, are the the mm-hmm. kind of the three-headed monster, with all due respect, that's uh, that's doing the festival. Um, how did it come about to do single events leading up to next weekend? Well, I think uh, one of the one of the things that we all kind of discussed in Owl Studios in the Jazz Kitchen with David Ali and Al Hall is uh, that we really want to focus and showcase all of Indianapolis and what Indianapolis has to offer within the jazz world. There are great jazz clubs, great other nightclubs that support jazz. And uh, it just seemed like it was kind of a waste just to have two days or three days in a park and nothing else. Okay. So we felt, you know, let's let's spread it out. Let's get it, you know, get the entire community into it. And so, uh, you know, we did. And it's there's actually other jazz festivals that kind of do the same thing. The Portland Jazz Fest is all over the city there. And mm-hmm. you know, it's I, I think it's it's a great idea because it really supports the entire community. And Al Hall, I love your home. Yeah. And your business. Thank you so much for last night. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a beautiful home. <laughs> it is. All right. So let's start us off. Uh, we start tomorrow night at Clues Memorial Hall. With Joshua Redman. Yeah, actually, before Joshua Redman, there's an opening act. Ah, yes. Um, um, Dan Tepfer. Man, who's very, if, you're, if you've been to Jazz Fest the last few years, he was the uh, fellow, uh, mm-hmm. Jazz Fellowship. Yeah, he's uh, the fellow for the American Pianist Association. He'll be opening, I think, doing a, about an hour-long set before Josh Redman comes on. And then uh, the amazing trio of Joshua Redman, it's, it's going to be a great show. That's going to be really cool. And I remember Joshua Redman did an episode of Arthur. On PBS, it really? was yeah, it was an episode where it was they had an animated him and an animated Yo-Yo Ma, and the, the whole point was two different styles of music, and they wound up collaborating together in Arthur's classroom. Very cool stuff. Oh wow! So, yeah, it was, go to your Arthur archives on pbskids.org. I'm sure it's there. <laughs> and then uh, we mentioned earlier Tuesday the 22nd, you got to hit two spots in one evening. Tell us about the Vogue in the kitchen. Yeah, Tuesday is actually the busiest night. We have. Um, Tuesday night at the Vogue is uh, Charlie Hunter, a great jazz guitarist, also kind of flirts within the jam band world. Um, Garage Mahal, who is an Owl Studios artist, uh, they're a jazz fusion jam band group that uses a lot of Indian music in their in their sound, That's so it's always fun, yeah. And then also uh, the great local funk band, jazz band, uh, the Twin Cats will also be playing, and they're also signed on to Owl Studios, so we're kind of kind of lucky at that, and that's going to be just one big amazing show it's going to be a lot of fun uh we're really excited about being in the vogue because it's great great performance yeah there's because you said earlier there's a number of venues um that are going to do after sets as well on Mm -hmm. the weekend and of course yeah the the fact that you can get a a sizable club like the vogue to have something like this because this does also i mean this fits in their uh their itinerary as far as material and uh, this is going to be a fun and it, it shows the uh the the diversity of jazz it, it really does, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, the jam band world really is a, an offshoot of, of jazz in, in many aspects. And so we're, we're kind of happy that, you know, this jazz fest is all about jazz. We, you know, sorry to say, because I know you're a blues fan. We I, don't have any blues artists no, 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 or, no, no. You know, anything I, like that. No, no I'm, not, I'm not complaining. <laughs> I think, you know, in in the past, and this is no slight on the, the, the former powers that be, but I know it's, it's, it's common practice for a lot of festivals to to branch out and put in acts that maybe would draw in people that wouldn't set foot in a in a jazz central state mm-hmm. in a jazz stage to begin with. I totally understand that. And on the flip side, um, I remember trying to listen to Brad Meldow and he was being uh, backed up by Shaggy unintentionally because the other stage was blaring in the yeah. background. So no no no, yeah. I have no qualms whatsoever. And no, I found some bluesy stuff that's gonna be played on the show tomorrow night. So ha oh, ha yeah. <laughs> I uh, know there's gonna be some Branford and some Poncho and some Bill Langton and I think there's a there's um uh, oh my gosh uh I think there's a, a Melvin Ryan tune I can 
get away with. So, no, I oh, have cool. no Good. issue with, gee, I, I'm, yeah, call me crazy. I'm one of those people that actually likes jazz at their jazz fest. Yeah. <laughs> call That's me, good. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy, but I love it. So, And then uh, Tuesday night also at the kitchen. Tuesday night, if you're not kind of a fan of the jazz fusion jam band scene, you can go for the traditional jazz, which will be at the jazz kitchen, and that's the uh, Mark Buscelli CD release party. Uh, featuring the Biselli Wallerab Jazz Orchestra. They're not splitting up. Everything's not fine. I checked. Yeah. I checked with them. Everything's cool. And I know Brent Wallerab has a solo album that'll be coming out a little later. 2010. Oh, it's 2010. Okay. Yeah. All right. So it'll be it'll be out, and that'll be probably you know Brent Wallerab featuring the Biselli right. Wallerab so. Jazz Orchestra. So actually, while you mentioned that, we do have let's uh, we have it queued up. This is Mark Buscelli's uh, solo release. It's called An Old Soul, and uh, let's give you a sample. And that's Mark Buscelli playing the uh, the title track to his new album on Owl Studios called An Old Soul. And he will be at the Jazz Kitchen on Tuesday, September 22nd for his CD release party. That's correct. Yeah, that'll be a great, great show. We're really looking forward to that. And, you know, everybody loves the BWJO here in yeah. town. And they're actually, you know, widely considered one of the better jazz orchestras in the country right now. Yeah, so. and, I mean, and it's, it's, it's kind of rare to get a full band, a big mm-hmm. band, an orchestra to play. I know with today's times and you know, you got to spread the check somehow. Yeah. But yeah, seeing BWJO especially in a setting like the kitchen, that's that's going to be a fun evening. Yeah, it's the full 17-piece band with the vocalist. So, you know, it'll it'll be a good time. And then uh, on Wednesday night at the kitchen, we shift gears and we head down way south, Chile, Curtis also Correct. via New York City. Tell us about is it Claudia Acuna? Uh, yeah, Claudia Acuna. Um, she's a Chilean-born, uh, sings more in the Brazilian jazz style. Um, she actually played at a, a few of the other jazz festivals this summer and was just considered one of the better better shows at these jazz festivals. So we're really lucky to have her play at the Jazz Kitchen. It'll be a little more of an intimate setting because of that. Um, and it's just another style of jazz out there, you know, going for the, the Latin Brazilian style. So. And we forgot to mention, I'm sorry, if you're in Bloomington uh, on Tuesday the 22nd, um, or if you're listening on the south middle middle southern part of the state, um, there's there's j- a Jazz from Bloomington event. Tell us about that. Yes, that's uh, Astral Project, which is a great uh, contemporary jazz group out of um, uh, New Orleans. So you're getting this New Orleans feel now, too. I mean, we're kind of hitting all of the jazz at one time, it seems like. Oh, absolutely. And, and then, uh, it's great. It'll, it'll be a good show. That's down uh, Jazz in Bloomington. Um, they're actually having a, uh, a buffet along with the uh, the show. So bring K- your appetite. That's KRC Catering. Yeah. And then big, and then the festivities really kick into high gear. Friday night at the Madam Walker Theater, a big tribute to Freddie Hubbard, presented by Dr. David Baker. And, yes. Uh, this is going to be a fun night. This is, to me, this is probably the prime night for Indie Jazz Fest. It's, you know, right on in Indiana Avenue. It's going back to the Indiana Jazz legacy with uh, Freddie Hubbard, who was born here in Indianapolis, considered, you know, one of the most important jazz trumpeters ever in the jazz world. Uh, De- Dr. David Baker, who was a good friend with Freddie Hubbard, grew up with Freddie Hubbard in the IPS school system. 
uh, James Spaulding, who also grew up with Freddie Hubbard at that time and actually left for New York City with Freddie Hubbard and played with him there in New York City for quite a while. We have four great trumpeters, um, Nicholas Payton, Randy Brecker, Derek Man. Gardner, Ferez Witted, uh, who, you know, they're, they're all just going to be, you know, playing their brains out. It's going to be a lot of fun. You had Steve Ali, great pianist, uh, Rufus Reed, who is a, an amazing bassist. Rob Dixon will be sitting in. Vincent Gardner, who is Derek's brother. Yes. Uh, Vincent Gardner is a trombone player who actually plays in the Lincoln Center Jazz Orchestra. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also uh, Donald Edwards on, on drums. So it'll be a great show. Big night. Definitely worth checking yeah. out. And then, of course, Saturday the 26th, Sunday the 27th at the Lawn at White River State Park. I have to say, I, with... Uh, with the tr- with the trio taking over the festival, I know um, you know they, it was the jazz fest used to be in June. They pushed it back mm-hmm. to September, and uh, you know I think people were anticipating what kind of lineup there was going to be. And I have to say, I was I was impressed that there were more national artists in this year's lineup than I expected, especially first time out for uh, for the three the trio to take over the, the fest. Oh yeah, it's you know that's one of the uh, the best things about having a, a jazz club and a record label running this jazz festival is that we have the connections mm-hmm. to you know pull in the big artists, the great jazz artists, and and we've we've done it. You know, it's it's going to be great. Time. So let's start with the uh, Michelob Jazz Stage on mm-hmm. Saturday, and this is a cool thing. There's some high school bands. That have that are going to get an opportunity to shine on a festival stage. Exactly, the IPS All City Jazz Band has been uh, brought back. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the big things with Indie Jazz Fest is we are stressing jazz education and music education in the IPS school system and other school systems in Central Indiana. So we have them playing. Uh, in addition to Bill Langton, Derek Gardner, and the Jazz Prophets, who you heard earlier, mm-hmm. uh, Pancho Sanchez. He's back. That's cool. Yeah, that's, that's, that's going to be a guy. great time. Yep. Uh, Soul Live, who I think played two years I ago or three there, years ago. It was like two years ago. Yeah, two years ago. Yeah. yeah, and that's, you know, they're just a great band to, to be around. And then the wonderful Branford Marsalis. I mean, what a way to end the night. On I Saturday. know. Do we know what he's doing this time around? Uh, it's a trio. Uh, really? He actually had a, an album come out not too long ago, and so it'll be based off of that album. Oh, I wow. I think it's a trio. Maybe it's a quartet. It's not a quartet or trio. Okay. So, and actually, Branford Marsalis played at the Montreal Jazz Festival, and he was voted the best show at the Montreal Jazz Festival. There you go. So. And then at the Owl Studios Jazz Club uh, that day on Saturday. We have uh, Brandon Meeks, great local bassist, uh, two Indiana jazz lesson, uh, legends, Clifford Ratliff and Melvin Ryan playing, and then uh, the amazing friend. Frank Glover with his new group, Kilo. Uh, that's going to be really cool. That, and yeah, his album is out or will be out? I'm um, well, this new group, Kilo, he's yes. recording in October ah, okay. with a full orchestra. Really? Yeah, it's a, his jazz quartet with full orchestra being recorded will be released next year. Okay. Yeah. And then let's quickly get through uh, Sunday the 27th on the Michelob Jazz Stage. Uh, we have the Fort Wayne Snyder High School Band and the Ben Davis High School Band. Those were the two winners at the Ball State University Jazz Festival last year. Ball State, ha! Yeah. Um, Hannah Neal, which is uh, Kenny Phelps' new group. This is their right. CD release. And oh, cool. And the band is... Awesome. Yellow Jackets type music. It's, it's going to be really cool. Mm-hmm. Frez Witted, who's recently signed on ja- on, uh, on Owl Studios. Cool. Uh, Kurt Elling, great vocalist. Fine jazz vocalist. Mm-hmm. And yes, guys sing jazz too. And I think oh, that's yeah. a great example of he that. He does it. Uh, Steve Ollie, big band, will be playing. And then I'm really excited to see Marcus Miller play. Yeah. That's, that's going to be awesome. Played with Miles Davis and, of course, is a solo artist in his own right, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the Owl Studios Jazz Club stage. Uh, we have Sarah Scarborough, great local vocalist. Uh, Greg Bacon, great saxophonist here in town. Two at a time, three at a time. Yeah, he'll he'll put on a great show. And then, you know, you, you have to have Cynthia Lane on the, on the bill somewhere. So oh, yeah. She'll be there. Yep. So actually, Emma's first, one of her first nights out was at a Cynthia Lane show at Urban Element. Oh wow! Yeah, that's right. that became a regular hangout for us. All right, so if people want information, ticket info, that sort of thing. Where do they go? IndieJazzFest.net, um, and you can go to any local marsh in the area and get a discounted ticket. Save about ten bucks. Okay, and. Uh, <laughs> 
you know, maybe we'll have to bring you back on to talk about Round Midnight and Bird and Paris. Oh, you know, I'd love to. I'd love to. Straight No Chaser. Oh, yeah. That, that was let's the plan, but I wanted to talk <laughs> about the fest. So. Yeah, anytime. Let me know. I'll be back. Thank you, man. And what's, what else is coming out for 2010 at, at Owl Studios? Owl Studios, well, we have the Mark Cassell, or I'm sorry, the Brent Waller Rob album, uh, Frank Glover and Kilo, Frez Witted will be releasing an album, Garage Mahal will be releasing an album, Rob Dixon's working on a new project. It's great. Okay, well, Matthew Altizer, thank you so much. I will see you very soon. Definitely. Uh, Next week, of course, my chat with F. Murray Abraham, so get ready for that, and it's podcast time. You're listening to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD to the point and WFYI.org. Take care, everybody. Silent Green is people! Zardoz has spoken. This is WFYI HD2 Indianapolis, The Point.